So we're in a brand new series. The series is We Came to Believe. And we're looking, what we're doing is we're looking at the Apostles' Creed. We're looking at each statement of the Apostles' Creed. And we're asking ourselves, does this have relevance for us today? The Apostles' Creed being one of the first and earliest declarations, confessions of who God is. Now, we, we've gone through uh, several weeks already, but let me just tell you about the first week. In the first week, we said this. This, is what the les- this was the lesson we learned in the first week. It's this. It's belief determines behavior. If you think the only way to de-stress is by taking a drink, then you're going to take a drink. Even if you know that at the end it's going to be really, really bad for you. If you think that the only way to feel better is to go online and click on some things that you ought not to, then you're going to go online. If you've ever asked yourself, God, why do I keep on going back to this thing? The answer is simple. It's because you want to. It's because you believe that it's good for you in some way, shape, or form, even if you have evidence to the contrary. Well, we've been looking at each, each statement or a brief statement within the Apostles' Creed. And today, we're looking at how Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. How he, was, how he suffered, crucified, died, and was buried. This is an un- incredible section of the Apostles' Creed. Because it answers to us the question, what does God think about? When he thinks about me. The passage that was read earlier, we're going to go through. It was Mark chapter 15, verses 33 to 39. And it is a historic event. Nobody argues that this event actually happened. Nobody argues with that. Atheists, Buddhists, Christians, this actually happened. And it says this, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, verse 34. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. We have to ask a question. The passage begs a question. It's simply this. Jesus, as we learned in part three, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And if Jesus is God, and he put all of creation into existence, if Jesus is God, and could actually come in the form of a babe, 
if Jesus is God, and make the blind to see, the lame to walk, the dead to rise, if Jesus is God and could heal the sick, then what killed him? Surely three nails are not too tough for the Son of God. Surely the Roman army that had him in their clutches, surely they're not too difficult for him to overcome. He created them. I mean, he could have given everyone there that came to attack him, he could have given every one of them terrible sinus problems in that very moment. I mean, he could have done one of a million things. But he didn't. So what keeps him there? That's what we're looking at. You see, when you look at you, you can come up with all sorts of reasons of why God won't pursue you. But I'm telling you, God has pursued you. When you go through tragedy, you can come up with all sorts of reasons of why I've gone through tragedy. But when we look at the cross, we see something that is mind-blowing. That God, his love, extends in the most real and profound way. So remember what we said at the very beginning when we, intru- when, when we started the service? That when we, look of, when we look at us, before we come to Christ, we look in the mirror and we say, well, God, I know you. God can't possibly want anything to do with you. I can't even go to a church service. Whole building will fall down. I'll get hit by lightning. The, a plague will break out and everybody will die around me because I'm so sinful and I'm so broken. Jesus goes, it's true. You have half of it. You're so sinful and you're so broken. There's a love that God extends. And when we go through great tragedy, and I know that many of you right now are going through great tragedy, whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether it's a marriage that dissolved that you didn't want to see dissolved, whether it's a child that's gone so far off that you're like, oh man, this is going to end really badly. You look in the mirror And you go, oh, God must be punishing me. God must be punishing me for something that I've done in the past. We ask this question. We ask this question. We say, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? And the answers that we come up with are awful. Because I'm no good. Because I'm bad. Because I've gone astray. Because I don't believe. You know what it is? Because I don't have enough faith. Because God doesn't look. You know, you know why the divorce happened? Because I don't have enough faith. You know why the illness is here? Because I don't have enough faith. You know why the job let me go? Because I don't have. Whatever it is, you go, you, you, come, up with conf- you come up with solutions that are far from the scriptures. I'm telling you, the moment that we just read about answers the doesn't answer the question necessarily about why you're going through what you're going through, but it does answer why you're not going through what you're going through. It can't be that God doesn't love you. Whatever the answer is, it's not that God doesn't love you. You know how we know? He went to the cross and died. Let me, and get, let me give you a clue. When you can raise people from the dead, nine-inch nails, not that big of a deal. Not that big of a deal. Jesus wants us to know that
that his love for us is profound. In fact, this is the big idea that I want you to walk away with. That no matter what you go through, no matter where you find yourself, no matter if you're succeeding and you're doing great, the reason isn't the reasons you think about. And whether you're going through a terrible patch, the reason is not the reasons you're thinking about. That no matter what it is, we know that the answer cannot be anything other than God's love because he demonstrated his love on the cross for you and me. Here's the big idea for today. This is it. Jesus loves me to death. Don't let anything argue against that in your soul. I know that if you're here, you're thinking, no, but you don't understand. I used drugs for a long period of time, and I, I, I messed up, and I, and I cursed at my mother, and I struck my father, and I abandoned my children, and I did all this. No, no, no. And listen, I don't, I, I, I don't know why you're going through what you're going through, but I know why you're not going through it. It can't be because God doesn't love you, because the proof is that Jesus loves me to death. You don't believe me? Go back to the text. Jesus is there, and at three in the afternoon, he cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthini, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What Jesus does in this verse is epic. He, he takes a quote from Psalm 22, the very first sentence. The very first sentence of Psalm 22 is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But if you read the rest of it, the entire psalm is about a king who would be betrayed and put in shackled and murdered, but who would come again. And this, Jesus is giving us a clue. He's letting us know that this is part of God's plan. That if you're not sure that God loves you, be sure that God is sure that he loves you because he died for you. And if that's not enough proof, then I, just, I don't even know what to tell you. Like, I don't, like, you know, let me tell you something. You know how, like, um, sometimes you'll be in a relationship, you know, and, and, you know, you'll get into that, oh, show me you love me kind of thing. You know, you'll get into that, right, right, you know, you got to have a J-O-B <laughs> if you want to be with me. You young people, the young people are not laughing, right? It's only the old folks, right? Like, oh, 80s, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Jesus gives his love to you. And he gives it without repentance. And he sacrificed. He, there was a plan that God had. God knew that you would go astray. God knew that you would be messed up. God knew that you would go in a direction that's contrary to the direction that he wanted you. He knew that you would do that. And he pursued you with great passion and love. He pursued you at great cost to himself. The reason that Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is so that you and I could go through the dark night of the soul and yet say, my God, my God, thou art still with me. Amen. God the Father forsook God the Son so that God the Father and God the Son would never forsake their children. All the punishment that you deserve fell on Christ on the cross. So I don't know, 
I don't know why that happened to your kid, but I'm letting you know. I know why it's not. It's not because God doesn't love you. You know why? Because Jesus loved you to death. I don't know why she left. I don't know why he picked up and ran. But I can tell you why it's not. It's not because God doesn't love you, because Jesus loves you to death. I don't know why you lost a job and why 50 things happened bad all in a row. I don't know why, but I know why it's not. It's not because God doesn't love you, because Jesus loves you to death. Do you believe that? When things happen, that you, now listen, there are some of us that are here that don't know that. You're in Christ and you don't know that. I'm going to try to illustrate that in, a while, in, a, in just a little bit. But you need to let this passage sink deep into your soul. You need to let it sink deep into your heart. But there are those of you who don't know Christ. There are those of you who are here, and perhaps you've been coming for a long time, and perhaps you just walked in through the door today. I'm telling you, God is pursuing you. He's pursuing you. He's pursuing you. And you go, how can I know that that's true? God can't be pursuing me. Listen to me, beloved, beloved, listen to me. God went as far as heaven to earth to live the life that you should have lived, but you did not. And then when he got here, he died the death that you deserve to die, but don't have to. That's how far God pursued you. You go, but you don't understand my sin. Believe me, beloved, your sin is no match for God's grace. Your sin is not even a close second for God's grace. If you don't know him, you can know him now. If you don't know him, know that he loves you. What more can he show you? His love for you. I wish I knew that God loved for me. Really? What more could God do? I mean, at a certain point, when you get to that game where you go, oh, show me you love me, at a certain point, you just go, okay, no, really. <laughs> if you don't know that I love you, you just have to go, okay, no, really, this, this is too much. God does, in fact, love you, and he does pursue you, and he pursued you to death because Jesus loves you to death. As you go on throughout the week, as you go to your hospitals that you visit your friends in, as you deal with a loved one who's going to pass, as you have to get the funeral arrangements ready, for a loved one who's gone, as the doctor gives you worse news about your medical condition. As all these things happen and more, right? Businesses fail, uh, relationships falter. As, as God starts to instruct, as God starts to lead, as, God st as you see life falling around you and God is leading and guiding you, there's going to be a temptation. The temptation is going to be, God's not with me. God doesn't love me. And I want you to know that the cross proves that Jesus loves you. Amen. Jesus loves me to death. As you go throughout the week, I want you to be thinking of that. Now, we're going to sing another song. 
The name of this song is uh, How Could This Be? And, um, and I want you to sing, but listen to me. I want you to sing like a person who knows that God is with them and for them, that God wants the best for you, that God is looking out for you and wants, because he wants the best for you, and he knows that he's the very best, he wants you to be with him. So let's sing together. Would you stand with me? We'll sing together. death I will rise with you. All the graces now for me. How can it be? How can it be? You plead my cause. You write my wrongs. You break my chains, you overcome, you gave your life to give me mine, you say that I am free, 
You plead my cause. You right my wrongs. You break my chains. You overcome. You gave your life to give me mine. Say that I am free. How can it be? How can it be? Please have a seat. So I was thinking about how to illustrate this for you. And so I have a group of people to talk about some of the objections we have to either coming in Christ or resting in Christ. There are objections that we have. Now listen, in just a few minutes, for those of you who do not know Jesus, I'm going to ask you to stop waiting. Just come to him. He loves you to death. Why would you run from that? And so I want to talk about some of, the, some of the obstacles, some of the hindrances, some of the arguments we make against God that make us think that he doesn't love us to death. So I have some friends. They're going to come on up, and we're going to try to make this point. Okay. So what have we been saying? We've been saying that God has gone through all sorts of, all sorts of pain, difficulty. God has gone through it all to pursue you in love. That if you know Christ, that no matter what pain and what suffering you're going through, that we might not know why you're going through it, but we don't, we, while we might not know why, we do know why not. It's not because he doesn't love you, because he died on the cross. Jesus loves me. But those of you who are here and don't know Christ, and by the way, in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to come to Christ, and here's how I'm going to ask you to come to Christ. I'm going to ask you to come to Christ by demonstrating um, your surrender to Christ, by just standing where you are. Now, that's going to be in a few minutes. Now, if you don't know Jesus... Tension is going to rise. You're going to be like, I'm not standing up. You ain't making me stand up. I'm not going to be like, I get it. I get it. Me too. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. God went to a cross for you to declare his love for you, right? So when I ask you to stand, it's just a simple, small declaration to say, no, Jesus is going to be the boss. He's going to be the Lord of my life. He's going to be the ruler of my soul. I'll, I'll give you, we'll do that, what Martin Luther called the great exchange. I'll trade my sinfulness for his righteousness. Yeah? Is that okay? So it's happening in a few minutes, but I don't know what your, for what, I'm not sure what your argument is about not coming to Christ. Maybe, maybe your argument is that you're a really good person. You've done everything right, you're religious. You know the Bible. You occasionally go to church. You, you know, you're a good guy. You're a good girl. You pay your taxes. You don't kill anybody, right? That's the, so, so what happens is, is that when you're religious, you rely on your good morals. And isn't it something 
that it's possible to use a God-given gift to keep from, God, from knowing God? You go, but you don't understand. I've done step work. I'm better than I used to be. You don't understand. I'm a good person. You don't understand. I'm, I'm a righteous. You wouldn't use that word, righteous. But you would say, I'm a good person. What you are is religious. You think that by obeying rules. Now, you could be a Christian religious person or a Buddhist religious person or a Muslim religious person or any other atheist religious. I don't know. I don't know. You, could be, you could be a person who just relies on your goodness. And I'm telling you, relying on your goodness gets you nowhere with God. God only accepts failures. God only receives those who have sinned. If you're good, God goes, do the best you can. But God says, no, come to me. And if you're religious, here's what I need you to know. Here's what I need you to know. Your truth is that Jesus loves you to death. That if you If you're relying on your goodness, here's what you need to know. That Jesus loves you to death. Go to him. Run to him. Maybe you you come from an addicted background. Maybe you, you stole from your kids and stole from your mom. Maybe, maybe. Maybe you did things that were horrible. You sold yourself. You you hurt the relationships around you. I don't know. Maybe you're an addict. Maybe you're an addict and you don't know it yet. But everybody, here's the clue about addicts, right? You're the last to know that you're an addict. The last to know. So if you're here, you're going, I'm not an addict. Some of us know differently. Maybe you're an addict. But seriously, if you, if you are here, and, and this is, and, and you can really know, if, especially if you don't know that you're an addict, if you've ever, and I'm not trying to be funny. This is going to sound funny, but I'm, I'm saying that this is going to sound funny so that it doesn't sound funny, right? So, like, if you've ever thought, maybe I'm drinking too much, or if you ever thought, man, maybe I'm smoking too much weed, or if you ever thought, if that thought ever came into your ha- mind, I want you to know that normal people don't have that thought. Only addicts have those thoughts. Like, if you go, oh, man, I wonder if I'm drinking too much. My wife has never thought that in her life because she doesn't. Only people who drink too much think, maybe I'm drinking too much. <laughs> and I know, I know that sounds kind of goofy and funny, but it's true. So if, maybe you are. Maybe you are. And we want you to know. We want you to know, listen to me, that if you find yourself addicted, that if you find yourself at the, in the grip of something that is moving you around and making you do what you don't want to do, I want you to know that you too can know that Jesus loves you to death. If you're religious, if you're an addict, I don't know, maybe you're here and you come from the LGBT community and you think, oh, I know. This is a this is a taboo thing. We can't, I'm, I'm, matter of fact, you're here and you won't tell anybody because this is the no, you know, off limits subject matter. I just, I don't, I don't even, I, the first thing I want to say, 
I want to say I'm so sorry that you got that uh, opinion of Jesus. I want you to know that people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. People, and I know that in this culture, this is the biggest, like, whoa, biggest taboo, biggest thing. But let, let me tell you something. I struggled with this for years in my own life. Remember, I semi-came out of the closet to my brother and ran right back in because I was so afraid. I grew up in a Puerto Rican family. I know. You don't even know what to do with that sentence, do you? But if you're here and you're a part of the LGBT community, we want you to know that this is a safe place that you could know Jesus. I want you to know that this is a place that you could find Christ. Now, to be clear, we're a church who believes the Bible. We're a church, we're strong on the Bible. We don't shy away from the scriptures. We're strong on the Bible. But let me tell you something. If you're as bad as a religious person, Jesus can love you. And if you're as bad as an addict, Jesus can love you. And if you're in the LGBT community, Jesus can love you. Because Jesus loves me to death. Don't let anything, do you see what's going on here, guys? Don't let anything stop you from coming to Christ. Don't let anything talk you out of what the scriptures so clearly teach, that Jesus loves you to death. Nothing, there is nothing. You go, I'm promiscuous, I'm in the LGBT community, I don't even know what I am. Jesus loves you to death. Figure it out with Jesus. Draw to himself. Let him, let him heal you from the inside. Nothing, nothing can keep his love from you. It's unstoppable. Maybe, maybe you come from a past. <laughs> the people who are laughing who actually know this guy. No, kidding, kidding, kidding. Listen. Maybe you come from a criminal background and you go, oh, but you don't understand. I can't even vote. I'm, I, I've gotten so many rights taken away from me. I'm a second-class citizen. If you're here, man, don't let your past be the determiner of your future. Your history does not, listen, your biography does not have to be your destiny. You do not have to be back where you were. Jesus loves you to death. That's what the criminal can know. That Jesus died in between two criminals. And the one who was on the cross to the side of Jesus was mocking Jesus, laughing at Jesus, uh, uh, cursing at Jesus. And then towards the end of his life, when, as death has a way of humbling our hearts, he goes to Jesus and he says, um, uh, I don't even know if he said, I'm sorry about all those things I said for those few hours. It doesn't say that he said any of that. You know, all he says is this. Remember me. And Jesus goes, I'll do one better. Today you'll be walking with me in paradise. 
But you know why? The reason is, is because Jesus loves me to death. Are you a criminal? Are you in the LGBT community? Are you an addict? Are you a religious person? Jesus loves you to death. Finally, maybe you're here and you're like, I don't believe any of this stuff, man. I'm not down with this. I'm not sure. And, and, and maybe you're not so strong as to say I'm an atheist. You like to sort of say, well, I don't want to close that door. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of agnostic. I'm not sure. I don't know. And I just want you to know, man, that God brought you here for a reason. And that what we're talking about, so you know, what we're talking about, the death and burial of Jesus Christ is no mystery. That absolutely happened. You don't have to go to the Bible to find that out. That is a part of the historical record. The fact that Jesus' tomb was empty, historical record, you cannot argue against that. Nobody, look at all of the debates that happen between scholars who are atheists and believers. Nobody ever brings up that Jesus wasn't born, died under Pontius Pilate, buried, and that the tomb was empty. Everybody disagrees with how the tomb got empty. That's where the debates are. Nobody debates that the tomb was empty. Here's what I'm saying. This is what put me. I did not grow up in a Christian household. I am totally. Every one of these, I identify so deeply with every one of these. Every one of these. When I came to Christ, the thing that put me over the fence, though, was that his followers, he had 11 guys, and they didn't just They didn't just say that Jesus is Lord. But rather, they died saying Jesus is Lord. You go, oh wait, plenty of people have died for what they believed. Plenty of people have died for what they believed. Think of 9-11. Didn't those guys believe that there were going to be 70 uh, virgins at the other side after they drove those planes in? Here's my argument. My argument is not that these guys died for what they believed. These guys died for what they said they witnessed. Different. Complete. Do you see? Y'all didn't get it. Y'all didn't get it. Okay. I'm going to try again. All right. So, okay. So listen to me. There's only two basic reasons why people lie. There's two basic reasons why people lie. One, to avoid a pleasure. I mean, one, to avoid a pain or to gain a pleasure. If you want to find out why you lied about that situation, you were looking to avoid a pain or gain a pleasure, right? So, 15-year-old boys or 35-year-old boys, here's what you do. You go to the girl and you say, I will love you till the end of time. <laughs> you and meatloaf, right? You go, you go, I will love you forever. Why? Why do you say that lie? Here's why you say that lie. Because you're trying to gain a pleasure. 15-year-old boys or 35-year-old boys coming home late, right? And it's, if you're 35, it might be your wife. If it's, a, it's your parents, and then you lie to them. Why do you lie to them about where you were? Because you're trying to avoid a pain. Do you see how this works? 
Simpson, why are you late to work again? Oh, it was the traffic. No traffic, traffic in your bed, right? It's like you were sleeping, right? But watch this. You say that because you're trying to avoid a pain. Listen, atheists, listen to me. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. These guys did not talk about what they believed. They talk about what they witnessed. So if they were lying, they only had two reasons. One, to gain a pleasure. So let's say that they lied so that they could gain money and prestige. They said, we're going to start a new religion. And we're going to get all sorts of money. And we're going to get all these people to follow us. We're going to be very powerful. Let's say that was what their motivation is. Death takes that motivation away. Because they were all threatened to death. And all they had to do was recant. recant. Every one of them, with the exception of John. John died of old age in a prison island. Other than John, every one of them died a martyr's death. Every one of them died for saying not what they believed, but what they saw, what they witnessed. Every one of them. So maybe they were trying to gain a pleasure. Nah, death takes that away. Maybe they were trying to avoid a pain. Nah, death takes that away. So they go up to the, the rulers of the day and they say, we can't say anything other. That, who lies? Who dies for a lie? Do you see how powerful? That pushed me over the edge. Because if two of them had lied, but then ten of them said, yo, did you see what happened to the first two? Then they, and they recanted, then I would have gone with that. But every single one of them. Why? Why would every one of them, not in the same room going, come on, we're going to do this to the end. No. One at a time on different. You know how Thomas, Thomas the doubter, you know how he died? He was preaching Jesus, and they wanted him to stop preaching Jesus. He wouldn't stop after beatings. He wouldn't stop after threats. You know what they did? They said, stop preaching Jesus or we'll kill you. He says, then kill me because I'm going to preach Jesus. And they said, oh, yeah? And they tied each one of his limbs to a different horse. And then they all ran in four different directions. Because he could not stop preaching what he saw. I want you to know that if you're an atheist, Jesus loves you to death and you can come to him this moment, right now. Now, turn him over, guys. Where are you? Where are you? I don't know where you are. I know where I am. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And I'm here. And I'm here to tell you, listen to me. I'm a total mess. I'm the worst person in this room. And Jesus died and loved and redeemed me. He can do the same for you. Won't you come to him? Won't you come to him? Won't you surrender to Christ? Won't you receive his righteousness in trade for your sinfulness? Let's thank these people up here. Thank you, guys. Love you, guys. Great job. Great job. Great job, guys. Great job. Now listen, what about you? What about you? What about you? What about you? Are you going to turn from him? Are you going to come to him? What are you going to do?